Amen. Our second reading today comes from the book of Exodus. We're reading from the third chapter, verses 1 through 15, and picking up the story of Moses as now he is a grown man. Let us listen for what the Lord is telling us today. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horab, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why this bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that Moses had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, saying, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then God said, Come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. God said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Pezites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God said, I'll be with you. And this shall be a sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What should I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. God said further, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my title for all generations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Guide us, O God, by your word and spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover your peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You know those hymns, the ones that you sing or you hear the tune, played, and immediately you're taken to another place. 
Those hymns that remind you of moments and people. Those hymns that shape your faith and help tell your story. Those hymns that remind you which step to take next. As I read this story from Exodus, one of those hymns got stuck on a loop in my head. I, the Lord of sea and sky, or maybe you know it as Here I Am, Lord. Growing up, this was the hymn we sang in moments of transitions and sendings. Confirmation Sunday, when we were officially confirmed and welcomed in as members of the congregation. Youth Sunday, when we preached our senior sermons and were preparing to go off to college. This was the hymn we sang at church retreats when we were more closely listening and looking for God. For me, it represents liminal spaces, those in-between places we find ourselves in as one thing comes to an end and another begins. Sometimes these liminal spaces are planned and expected. Sometimes they surprise us, and sometimes we aren't even aware of them until they're over. I think Moses is in one of these in-between places. Really, he spent most of his life in these in-between places. He wasn't sufficiently Egyptian enough for the Egyptians he grew up with and raised, nor was he sufficiently Hebrew enough for the Hebrew people to whom he was born into. He fled the only land he ever knew after he murdered a man and found refuge in another country with a family in Midian. When, he, when we come across him and he's at this burning bush that we read about, he's taking care of his father-in-law's flock of sheep. He was going about his day-to-day doing the work he was supposed to be doing when everything changed. Imagine Moses, there he is just trying to keep his sheep safe, trying to make ends meet, trying to keep his head above water as he learns this new job of shepherding. And then he sees a bush go up in flames. The leaves crackle, the twigs spark, and he can feel the heat shimmering in the already dry desert air. The bush is definitely on fire, but for whatever reason, it isn't being consumed. Moses can't help but stop what he's doing and investigate. In that moment, a voice calls out to him and speaks his name, tells him in this dusty land, it is holy ground, tells him to take off his shoes, tells him, I am the the God of your father and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Moses is so afraid he hides his face. The fear in this moment is real. A bush is on fire, but not burning up, like nothing Moses has seen before. The bush is also speaking to Moses and calls him by name, like nothing Moses has ever heard before, and it's God. Pastor Sarah Johnson points out that perhaps Moses ought to have been afraid, and rightly so, if he knew exactly what was going to happen next, just what God was going to say next, go, a word as holy and fiery as any in all of Scripture. 
But even in the midst of the fear and unexplained fire, Moses responds, here I am. This call to Moses is indeed holy. The moment is holy. God tells Moses as such. God tells Moses that this is holy ground. God commands Moses to remove his sandals. And there is something significant about removing shoes, especially on holy ground. Is this about reverence or respect? Something like, Moses, take off your shoes for goodness sake. You're in the presence of the creator of the universe. This is what I've always thought was going on, and I've assumed it had something to do with making sure Moses understood how to behave in God's presence. And I do think that that's part of what's happening, but maybe there's actually more. If we read the rest of Exodus 3, we will notice that Moses doesn't sound or act like a reverent or awestruck man. Instead of bowing in awe and humility, as a shoeless man before God ought to do, saying, yes, of course, God, with your help, I will go. Moses says, hey, wait a minute, I'm not ready to sign on just yet. He then goes on to provide a list of reasons why he isn't the right man for the job. Does this sound like a reverent man, awestruck that God is speaking and calling to him? Moses sounds more like a regular guy, a real person, a little bit too much like me, or maybe you, too. But let's imagine this second possibility for a moment. Is it possible that God tells Moses to take off his shoes because he wants Moses to be himself, to remove all pretense, to be vulnerable and open to what God has to say. Here in this story, God lays out the single largest rescue operation in the Bible, so big that movies have been made about it. God could have done it alone, or God could have chosen anyone else on earth for the job, but God specifically selected Moses there must have been something about Moses with all his flaws and gifts and unique qualities that God found interested in using. It is possible that in calling out to Moses, God wanted Moses to be Moses, to be himself rather than pretending to be someone else. There is comfort in this train of thought, comfort in knowing that God calls people not perfect people, but flawed and ordinary people, people like you and me, people like Moses. Even in our doubts and fears, even in our questioning, God sees us and knows us and still calls us. In his book, A Room Called Remember, Frederick Buechner writes that there are moments in the depths of each of our lives that give us an echo of a wild and bidding voice that calls us from deeper still. It's the same voice that Moses heard, and the one way or another always says, go, believe, live, love. 
We don't always get a burning bush. Actually, we very seldom get a burning bush. Sometimes God does call in the night. Sometimes God calls when we're up on a mountaintop. But more often than not, God calls in the midst of our busy, messy, beautiful lives. When we are going about our day like Moses, just trying to keep track of all of our sheep, trying to figure out what direction to go next, and maybe in the midst we hear the wild and bidding voice that Beekner speaks of. We know that hearing and listening for God's call is hard, but also the going is hard. Here at Trinity, we have talked a lot about call over the past few years. We spent months and months and months talking about who God was calling to serve as Trinity's next senior pastor. And then we were able to welcome Rebecca in as she started her work here, as she heard God's call to join us and followed the call. Sometimes listening to and following God is good and joy-filled. Now we are celebrating Andrew's many years of ministry here at Trinity, while also celebrating his call to Westchester Presbyterian Church to serve as their next senior pastor. Sometimes listening and following God is bittersweet and grace-filled. The call is not limited to pastors and church life. We are called to do God's work in the world. We are all called to take off our shoes and show up just as we are, just ordinary people like Moses, seeing ways that we can make the world better when we pay attention to God's call. Back home in Memphis, there's this small flower shop, it's been there since the 50s, called Rachel's Flowers. In the 90s, they moved locations to get a little bit bigger space. They moved into a neighborhood and a community suffering from lack of jobs and businesses. Crime and poverty had led to hopelessness. After the move, Rachel Coates, working in the shop that bears her name, answered a knock on the door. A young boy had come asking for a part-time job. He wanted to buy clothes and school supplies and needed a little money. Rachel initially said no, but the boy kept coming. Finally, she agreed to hire him. The very next day, he brought a friend, and then three friends, and then more. Rachel said yes to all of them. This flower shop became a place where people in the community could come. Rachel got to know all of them, and she realized they needed more than money. She started tutoring them and buying cakes for birthdays, helping with school clothes. She began mobilizing friends and family and employees and her church, all to provide support, time, and energy, and to grow relationships. A few years later, this work of Rachel's became a nonprofit. The mission to provide opportunities and improved quality of life for the children in the community. A florist who helps how she can, when she can. It is one woman who heard someone knocking on the door and answered the call. 
It's about paying attention and answering that call to love and serve God's people. God uses and needs each of us. God works with us through the gifts and weaknesses of you and me in Moses' time and in our own time. Teachers, students, florists, CEOs, parents, kids, we are all called to the work of God's kingdom. I like the way that Barbara Brown Taylor writes about God's call of Moses in her book, An Altar in the World. She argues that what makes Moses Moses is not his faith or his wits or even his religious qualifications. What makes him Moses is nothing other than his ability to hear God's call and to be crazy enough to trust and follow it. She writes that what makes him Moses was his willingness to turn aside from wherever else he was going from whatever else he was supposed to be doing and deciding not that it could wait a minute, but Moses instead decided it was now. You see, Moses could have decided that he would come back tomorrow to see if that bush was still burning when he had a little bit more time and less in his hands. Only then he wouldn't have been Moses. He would have just been some guy who got away with murder without discovering whatever else his life might have been about. When we listen and follow God's call, we might just discover whatever else our lives might be about. All we have to do is be ourselves, our incredibly average, incredibly loved selves, faithfully responding to God, saying, "'Here I am, Lord.'" I will go, Lord. Amen.